huh. I was talking to a guy in Slovenia this uh, past week, and he's like, uh, I, I don't understand. Everybody seems to not know about idiocracy in America. Here, everybody has it from Torrance. <laughs> Why has no one seen it? Because <laughs> apparently he's Bela Lugosi. Um, Hello? Hi. Hey, how are you? Uh, fine. How are you? <laughs> Since I'm doing more. very well. Yeah. So we w- were we just both uh, like looking into Skype and waiting for it to be like 9.30 and then... Yep. Like, okay. So that that's how it works. Okay. Because I was afraid to, you know, I was trying to be punctual and didn't want to bother you. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> tell, then, me, um, tell me how yeah. to pronounce your name. <laughs> okay. Wait. Uh, Andre. Andre. Yeah. Okay. That was, okay. That was, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'm going to go with that. Okay. Say it again now. Andre. Well, yeah, okay. You see, you get the more the the A at the end, but it's you have to cut the uh, E off at the end, so it's like Ange. Ange. Yeah, okay, that was perfect, basically. Yeah. Okay, got it. So, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay. Well, I mean that that's more than most people do, so you know I'm used to it. <laughs> so as long as I'm not Angie, I'm I'm fine. Because well, it's hard to tell, and I'm not familiar with the diacritical marks. I don't, I don't I'm not sure what those. Um, mean i'm not i'm not familiar you know what i mean usually i can suss it out in uh <laughs> spanish and stuff but now i i'm, I'm glad you helped me that that i feel better now <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's over here it's not that complicated since the the c uh the c with the thing like the little v on top right mm-hmm. that's basically a ch it's like a ch oh got it okay and then the z the, the thing i have in my name Yes. That's a je. That's the one that like Americans and English people usually have a problem with because there's mm-hmm. no equivalent really. And then right. the the S uh, with the thing on it is a sh. It's a ch basically. An sh, sorry. Okay. So and that that's pretty much all we have. That's that's as far as it. we're not we don't have any of those o's with the line through it which I have no idea what that means also so. I assume that's a prank or some kind of a test to yeah. see if anybody says it differently that way Danish people can make fun of you if you actually do it. Yeah, probably. The Scandinavians are weird. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, even I can say that, and I'm European, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, because maybe we already started, maybe we didn't, but okay, this is my first question. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, I'm Merlin Mann, and I record podcasts. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? That's a weird question. I mean, yeah. I know my name, but I, you know, I... Uh, I make things for the internet. I do podcasts. I sometimes write. Uh, right now, I'm mostly doing podcasts uh, for myself and with other people. And um, and I do a little bit of speaking, public speaking and speaking at events, uh, but mostly podcasts right now. So, yeah, but like if you had to like, like gun to your head, you had to pick like you had to write down your occupation. Like what would that be? And that's like, I, that's as serious I can make that question, but... Because you do like all sorts of stuff, but what, what, like, what? How would you characterize your work? I'm using air quotes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I just have to be brutally honest. I absolutely do not think about it that way. Other people do. I do not. I, I'm happy to do that as an exercise, but it would be purely abstract to me because that's just not how I think about my life. Uh, I would say right now, I would say I'm a podcaster, but I mean, but I also do other stuff. So there's not really a name for what I do, and that's what makes it interesting to me. I, you know, I. I uh, if I could answer that question too quickly, I'd probably be doing something I wasn't very interested in. <laughs> I mean, I, there was a time for a long time I called myself a writer because I write, I wrote, I write it, I wrote and published uh, every day. I no longer wrote it every day, um, 
but that was what I did for a long time, and I've been a – I've done different sorts of jobs that I think you could summarize that way. But um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean in terms of introducing myself to your audience, I would say people probably know me from things that I've written on the internet or some videos of talks that I've done. Or in the last two, three years, they probably – they might have heard uh, podcasts I've done like Back to Work with Dan Benjamin. Yeah. And Roder- <clears throat> Roderick on the line with John Roderick. Uh, you look nice today. Mac Break Weekly, uh, a long time ago. <laughs> oh, you're saying okay. Well, I, I don't. I mean, <laughs> what is it? Ask me. Ask me what you want to know. I'll tell you anything. I just. You're asking me. You know. I mean, it's like to, to me, it would be kind of like saying, you know, like that old famous Barbara Walters interview question. Like, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I could come up with an answer, but I don't think that does a very good job of explaining who I am. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So you said you you used to wrote, write. I, see, I used to wrote it. I used yeah. to wrote a lot of writings. Yeah, you're doing it to me now. But uh, <laughs> so why why did that go away for you? Because you right. you basically stopped. Really, that dumb blog is not really writing, right? I mean, no, not, right. not I mean, like well, you used to do it. No, I stopped because writing's hard. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but you are sort of good at it. That, that's why I'm asking. Like, yeah, it's what? really hard to be good at it. <laughs> Okay, so that, no, I mean <laughs> it's a it takes a tremendous amount of time. I mean, you know how how much time you got? I'll I'll talk all you want. It's um, you know, uh, writing. I, I I had a I spent a long time over a year trying to write a book that never got finished. So that kind of uh, kind of made writing less fun for me for a very long time. I mean, less fun professionally too. Not just less fun as in tee This is a party doing some writings. Uh, it was also that I just I really uh, it became a real grind for me. Uh, and at the same time, I started to realize how much of uh, the writing that I had done in the past uh, for things like my website, 43 Folders, I-, I think the audience for that kind of stuff has really changed. And the kind of stuff that people want to read and the kind of stuff that people want to write uh, is increasingly very ephemeral and very high volume but low I mean, and I'm not trying to say I'm not sitting around saying I'm, you know, Marcel Proust or something. But I think the kind of writing that people want is that people really do enjoy things like lists of tips and things like that. And and I don't I don't enjoy writing things like that. I don't enjoy reading things like that. And I, I would refer the gentleman back to my my former answer. Writing is hard. It, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. and doing podcasts, I really enjoy doing podcasts. It's very conducive to the way that my mind works such as it is, uh, and it's it's much easier and more fun for me to do on a regular basis. I don't like writing to a deadline. So I don't really feel – not that it matters, but I don't, really, I don't really think of myself as a writer right now. I used to think of myself as a writer. I will absolutely think of myself as a writer again when I start writing. It's just that right now that's just not what I want to do. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of uh, burning off a lot of the bad energy from that book experience. And plus, I really enjoy doing podcasts, and I get paid to do it, and people enjoy it. So it's kind of a win all around. Yeah, and this, that, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because you've mentioned before that you don't really like writing to a deadline. And I yeah. I agree with that, but I write for the magazine, so I like do that all the time. Is that what you, is that what you do for, a, for, for, your, for your job? Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, and it's well. I write for a monthly and a weekly magazine. There's two magazines now, and th- that's sort of okay. If I worked at a daily newspaper, I'd shoot myself probably. Like I don't know how those guys do it. Like I could not do that at all. 
But I think some people get that in their blood. Well, first of all, um, I, I didn't really thank you properly. Thank you for saying that nice thing about that I was good at writing. I appreciate that. But I, I think some people get it in their blood. I mean, in fairness, I never got I never got that part of it. Do you know what I mean by the term? I, I never got it in my blood. Yeah. Where there there are people out there. Uh, who look at a deadline and they get nervous about a deadline, but they never miss a deadline because they couldn't miss a deadline. It would be like somebody who's a physician saying, I'm too sleepy to finish this operation. They would never do that. That's not part of the profession. And I I have to say that as much as I have enjoyed being somebody who put words together in paragraphs and published them, I have never – I've always hated deadlines and I've always had almost no respect for deadlines in a way that's been very damaging to me. So I think that's one difference is in the same way that a doctor would never say I'm too tired to stop this – I'm too tired to finish this operation. Most professional writers would say it's very unprofessional. Uh, to miss a deadline, they never think, and they never, and never in a million years would they miss a deadline. And I just never got that. Yeah, but see, that, that's why I don't get how you can do a weekly podcast because I have a background in radio as well, and that's that's a different sort of grind. But it's still like you, you, there is still that weekly thing in there somewhere. You know, do, do, do you know yeah. what I mean? And I you, do, like, I do. And you haven't, like, I don't know, have you missed a back-to-work episode, like, like barring being ill and stuff? But like, um, I don't, well, again, I don't really think of it, I mean, it is, it ends up being a weekly podcast because that's when, how often we record it, which means it's roughly how often we put it out. But yeah, um, there are certainly episodes, you know, weeks that we've missed. The, sh- the show began, you can uh, help me with the math on this, but the show began in January of 2011. So in three years, we've had 100, almost 160 episodes. So just about one a week. And um, there's times where we filled in. But in that case, I mean, I can't even begin to compare that to writing. My gosh. Um, because in that case, um, there's several things about it. First of all, I mostly just show up and talk. Um, <laughs> See, I don't believe that. Like, I- <laughs> Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm not sandbagging. I'm, I'm being honest. That, that, that's the biggest piece. Of, my biggest contribution to that show, if I did nothing else, just showing up and talking is, is mostly my job. But with that said, I also do things like show notes. I work with sponsors sometimes. I've sometimes you know, gone as far as doing invoicing and stuff like that. But by and large, mostly I, I do just show up. And then Dan, uh, Dan Benjamin at 5 by 5 his team does the editing and the posting. I do the show notes. So my, my total amount of, of prep before the show and work after we've recorded, uh, it, it ends up being one day a week. So it's that, which sounds crazy. If you just listen to us, you know, being silly for an hour and a half, that sounds impossible. But given all the things I do, answering email, uh, talking to people, just it, it probably ends up averaging out to a little under a day a week, um, all told. Probably less than that, but around that. So, yeah, that, you know, things like show notes, I like, like this week was kind of weird because my kid was sick and I couldn't do show notes this week for once. But I, I, I like doing really good show notes, having lots of links. Yeah, you know, I like I'm, the idea of somebody visiting the show notes page before they've <laughs> listened to the episode and having no idea what it could possibly be about. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have OCD as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I have too, way too many links in my show notes. I think. I don't know. People think- love that. People people really do love that. Though I have to say, sometimes I don't know. You get a you get a sense in your gut about how much somebody cares about what they're doing, and sometimes I just show up on a page and it's like they couldn't even write even like a one-line description of what the show is. In some cases, like on Roderick on the Line, I don't want to describe it. I want people to have to listen to it to, to know what's there. I couldn't possibly – I don't know if you ever heard the show. I couldn't I have, possibly yeah. describe it. Uh, but, but you know, if it's a show about like, okay, this week we're going to talk about desktop computers. 
Well, I'd like to see a little bit about, you know, some links to what you talked about. You know, if you talked about some movies, maybe link to the script and things like that. Um, for the people who really enjoy your show, they will appreciate that. For people who don't, it doesn't matter. But for the people who do, I think they really enjoy seeing that. So you look at somebody like the guys that are doing technical difficulties right now. Uh, that that podcast, they have a, one guy who does nothing but show notes. He does exhaustive show notes that are really almost like their own performance. It's really super cool. If you look at, I think it's technicaldifficulties.us. They have a great site. Awesome. Yeah, but like, I guess it depends on the type of show you do anyway. Because yes. I think like a, a back-to-work type show, you know, needs show notes. But like linking to anything like John Roderick says, is, I, I don't know. I mean, I used to. Here's the thing: if you go back, <laughs> if you go back and look at somewhere after the first episode, but up up to somewhere probably around the tenth episode, it would blow your. It blew my mind. I would sometimes spend four or five hours on show notes because I got so into it. Listening to the show, I would try to find a link to every video, to every quote, to everything, everything I could find, until we would have a couple or four dozen. Uh, links for every episode and it just got to be way too much work and i i hated it i hate stop hated stopping it but i thought this is only probably fun to me and the four people that listen to this show <laughs> well there's more than four now right i mean well my I, you know my my uh my wife doesn't listen but uh you know <laughs> if i can get john to listen to the show we'll have five listeners you know so. <laughs> okay so i want to talk about uh you look nice today for a minute because that I'm gonna I'm gonna be complimentary now, and I know you hate that, but like, uh, uh-uh, I'm gonna love it. I love like, you look nice today. <laughs> Say all the nice things you want. I love that show. No, but that show was I was ahead of its time. That's such a crappy way to put it, but I'll say it anyway. It was ahead of its time, but not just like the way it was done and you three talking about stuff. But that that show was way better produced than podcasts deserved at that time, if that makes sense. <laughs> it did, does. Did, I, I know what you mean, and I felt it. I absolutely – Adam's work in editing that show. Yes. I mean, there had always – there had certainly from the dawn of recording, there have been shows where white guys sit around and talk about nothing or yeah. poop. Um, that's existed forever. Uh, but the way Adam – in time – Adam always edited the show. Um, it's just that the the way there were certain weeks where what he did with that show was a little bit magical, either in terms of just moving bits of dialogue around, cutting off, making something extra funny by taking out a pause or adding a pause by having us not talk over each other. And then at one point when he started adding in little bits of music and dialogue from things, not, not, not to where you could ever expect it. It, it, was, it wasn't like watching Family Guy or something, but there would be <laughs> these moments where he would, you know, just drop in the most improbable things. Dom DeLuise laughing, an orchestra tuning up, something, and you just go like, what? And the show suddenly became a very different show when he started doing that. Yeah, that that makes me angry. Like, I don't, that's magic to me. Like, I know, so, it's frustrating. Isn't it frustrating? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it just makes me physically angry every time I listen to that show. And I, ha- <laughs> I have like a commute now where yeah. I actually spend like a half an hour on a bus every day to and from work and uh i still i still have all of the you look nice today episodes downloaded and i just play random ones and it still makes me angry how that thing's edited it's like <laughs> but like, you know how radio lab is basically perfect every time right are you talking about jad abramon yeah. radio let's try again <laughs> i don't think so let's go back one more time radio lab yeah, but see, yeah, but Radio Lab, <laughs> Radio Lab feels like it's it's meant to be like that because yes. you know they 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 are actually on the radio. 
Like I well, feel like- also also Jed Abumrad. I mean, he's a musician, a recording yeah. engineer. Like, he is an, he's an artist of some of the shows. Really, wouldn't be the show if he didn't do something amazing with the sound. It would just be another NPR piece. But what he's I didn't mean to interrupt you, but he's so he's so gifted at doing that. He really has an ear for that, you know. Yeah, but that, that's what I mean. But it sort of feels at home when stuff like that happens when there's sort of you know old school radio involved. But you guys, it's just like three guys and then Adam Lissiger did the, like, it feels like, I get angry. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm and so like, happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I just, oh man. Because every time I listen to that show, it's like, wow, it's, uh, that was funny and snared and all that stuff, right? That's, <laughs> but I just, I just, like, I, I, I've gone through it about like, like twice now, probably like all the episodes. And like on, on the second hearing, I just listen for the edits now. Is like, that right? I, yeah, I sort of know the plot, sort of. Well, the plot, that's putting it long, strongly. But like, I sort of know what you guys are going to talk about. I just listened to what he did with the, with that uh, show now. I don't that, blame you. He's a, he's a real yeah. gifted guy. And, you know, it's been long enough now that I'm more comfortable mentioning this. I would never say this while we were doing the show because I didn't want to, you know, make Adam feel bad. But when we would say things like, People would say, oh, why don't you put it out more often? And we'd say, well, you know, we're busy. And say, well, no, why don't you put it out more often? Well, Adam's really busy. Well, why don't you put it out more often? Well, Adam spends a lot of time with each episode. And people would say, why don't you put it out more often? I'd say, listen, <laughs> Adam has spent double-digit numbers of hours on a single episode of You Look Nice Today. You sit, you, you, God bless you, the listener. You sit there and whoop that thing down like a piece of freaking chocolate. Adam spent like half a week working on that episode. <laughs> and not every episode, not every single one, but he would listen and re-listen. He'd do an edit. He'd go back. He'd do three, might do three passes at it. And you, it sounds like you have a personality where you would understand this, where like you know it could be better. It could be stronger. You take a day off. You come back. You do more. You can't put out an episode a week like that and have a job. That's not yeah. possible. Yeah, and in terms of that, that felt like you know good writing to me. You know the whole the the whole taking more passes at it and then like doing proper editing. You know, where there's mm-hmm. like it's a craft. It's, it sort of has a the, the feel of a you know uh, like a, a like an object at the end, not just something three people said into a microphone. I I, I agree with you. There's there's that old cliche that uh, you know whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna make a classic. You look like you look nice today. Error that uh, you know um, Michelangelo starts with a piece of. Uh, Stone, and I think this is actually the first joke ever made on the show. Michelangelo's Daniel. No, the, you take you take you take a block of stone and you cut you ch- chip away everything that's not David, which you know, haha, that's really funny. But there's something about when you're when you're really in the groove with creating something and you've been productive for a while and you're putting out whether this is magazine articles or whether it's you know podcast or whatever it is that you're you, you really get your game on and you get good at it. And I think you develop a certain, for lack of a better word, velocity about what you're doing. And you get really good about knowing whether it's ready yet in a way that you can't put your finger on. And I've definitely felt that when I think I'm writing well, where I know that there's this place where, okay, it's still too early. I know this is the, I still feel too much about what I wrote here. So it's not ready to go out yet. I need to feel this a little bit less. I need to read it a lot, a lot more. I need to realize somewhere in here, there's a lot of something I can probably cut out or clarify. There's always something in there that I could cut out or clarify. <laughs> the hardest part, right? Yeah. And then and then at the end, like how do I sew it all together 
and not in too cute a way, how does it end in a way where you understand why I began it in the first place? So that if you went back, like I had 50 times, and reread it from the beginning, you'd see the circle. You'd see how this, this – it has a sense of – I don't know. Just when you're creating that and, and you're doing that well and your brain is functioning in a way that's satisfying, you just know whether it's ready yet. And then you also – but on the other hand, as you know all too well – Given your vocation, there is also a moment where you go, you know what? I could spend ten more years editing this, and it would yeah. only get it would only get two percent better. And tick tock, tick tock, let's get this thing out. Yeah, think? <laughs> yeah. I think anything like someone writes or even like does sort of if you if you if you try your best at it, that's when you release it. When it gets to that, you know, if I spent like twenty more hours on this, it's going to get one percent better, and then you just say, well, you know, this is it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like that's so deflating at the end, maybe. But yeah, I think well, that's it, it. It is, and also for me, like you know, I, I I only, you know, if I'm not loving what I'm writing, I don't feel like writing. I like stuff that I've written. I like it a lot. What's funny is I start out feeling something very strongly. I find a way to g- say a lot of it. I start to really, really like what it is that I've written, and because I feel like I either, I don't know if this makes sense, but when you're writing something like an essay rather than say a straight, you know. In your case, I don't know what kind of stuff you write about. If you're writing about a sports event or a play, like that's a certain kind of writing. In this case, this is a kind of personal essay writing. And I know like something I didn't even realize I felt or didn't realize I felt so strongly, A, like I realized that and got it mostly onto a page. And then B, I realized that I'm getting close to getting this where I wanted to be to say what I didn't realize I wanted to say. And I start to really like it, what I've written. And then Mm – I edit it more and I start to hate it. And uh, that's kind of important to me. Like I, I really hate it but realize I have to finish. Not hate it, but I'm like, oh, God, this is so lame. But I want that feeling back. And when I start to hate it less and I start to realize that it might sound sane and have a voice and a rhythm to the words, then I'm like, I'm like okay, stop, stop, put it up, quit. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I could just go to committee forever and I'll start to hate it again. <laughs> Yeah, and then the cycle repeats, basically. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. that's right. Yeah. Okay, so so if Adam sort of was the guy that edited the show mostly, right? And you you were Merlin on that, or whatever that means. Is that right? who I played? Is that yeah, like- I think I think you were Merlin. I think that that's how it works. But who the hell is Scott Simpson then? Like, I don't. Who? What? I mean, so I think uh, I, I've told people this before, but. You know, after th- that show, in some ways, is a lot like what, I, I, in some ways, like what I just described with writing, where I could tell when that show, I can't tell, I couldn't tell when we were recording it. But it, well, you know, you just get a few minutes into a, uh, an edited episode, and I go, oh, this is going to be a pretty good one. Like, I, I can tell this is, this is going places. Um, and over time, you get, you know, whatever, 20, however many, I think, I don't know how many episodes of the show we did, but you get to where I started to have this mental picture. Of what it, what the three of us looked like, and I always thought if if, we, if there was ever a visual representation of that show, I don't know if you ever saw if you've ever seen what's called Squiggle Vision. If you see like Doctor Katz, professional therapist, or if you've ever seen like home movies that that yeah. animated show, that kind of that kind of nervous style of animation. I always yeah. imagine a Squiggle Vision version animated of the three of us dressed in like short sleeve shirts with clip-on ties sitting around a table that's a little bit too small like awkwardly small we're like a little too close to each other having a meeting that somebody smarter should probably be at 
led by Scott. So I imagine Scott leading some kind of a meeting where the person, the really important person who called the meeting ended up not being there. And three people who are not sure why they're at the meeting have to still have the meeting. And there's something important to figure out, but we're not sure what it is. Yeah, and there's like a chart with a graph that's going down. Yeah, we, we start drinking, we have some coffee, and then pretty soon the meeting is going someplace we never expected. And we kind of hope the person who called the meeting never learns what we talked about. <laughs> But now, but Scott, Scott was the, I always very much thought of Scott as uh, the, in terms of the little universe of the recorded show, I think I always, always thought of Scott as the one leading the meeting, you know? Okay. Uh, and uh, Scott was absolutely, hands down, the funniest person on the show. I think he was absolutely the, he, there would be no show. He was like the Paul McCartney of the, uh, of the show. He kept it all together. And um, I just, I still think he's an ex- extremely funny guy. Um but uh, you know, basically Scott would come in, and thank you for talking about this. I, I I I miss that show a lot. I really do. But Scott would come in, and, you know, we never knew what was going to come up. Scott would have some ideas jotted down. I've never really known how. Also, oh, so, so Scott there were no like in terms of prep, like you didn't have like there's a no, shared no Google Doc. Oh, okay. <laughs> no prep. No prep. Okay. We have exactly. Oh, that makes me like, so angry. There's, there's, Just, there's one oh. edit. There's one edit on that show for content because we thought we could do something better. We read – I will never say what it was. One time we redid one thing on the show, and I feel dirty. <laughs> and there's exactly one piece of prep that I can remember ever in the future – in the uh, history of the show, which is the my favorite live show we did called – I think it's called Three is the Magic Number, where we were performing live. And Scott yeah. and I were staying in a, basically a hotel room together. And we're backstage drinking, getting ready to come out. And Scott says, OK, Merlin. When we go out there, I'm going to tell a story. Don't act like don't don't say it didn't happen. Just play along. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and that's the single amount of prep I'm aware of that we've ever had for the show. Ah, that makes me so angry. Oh, that's you just... no, but and so we went out, and then Scott went into this amazing story about uh, the house the housekeeper, him yelling at the housekeeper. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Ah, that just nah. no, because that that show. I don't know, man. This is like really fanboyish of me, but that I, because I I've seen stuff stuff like that happen from time to time, and like I don't know that that one always like in terms of podcasts. That's why I said it was ahead of its time. That that show shouldn't have existed at that point in time. Like maybe now I can see somebody doing something where like just podcasts have sort of a little, they're at least five years old now. Like if they were a a child, you know, they they feel Mm -hmm. like they're like a person now. Whereas when you guys were doing it, they were sperm basically. That's interesting. Mm, That's an interesting way to put it. Um, It, it, I, I imagine it, it was existing. It's probably something like the development of calculus. There were probably people around the world, except not as smart. There was, you know, people were <laughs> discovering calculus independently at more or less the same time around the, the earth. But with us, you know, it was, I mean, I really don't mean this to sound snotty. Uh, I hope it doesn't. But it's, when I say it's not as easy as it looks, I don't mean it's not hard to do. What I mean is like one of the great compliments that we would get from that show, I felt, from people who enjoyed the show would say, well, it reminds me of me and my friends when we sit around and, and, and joke about stuff. And uh, it's true. I mean, that really it is kind because of, that's kind of what it is. It is really just three friends joking around, but, and it isn't like we brought any like great amount of art to it, but it, it is a little bit harder than it looks. And sometimes when I hear folks who are doing a similar thing, it doesn't move me in the same way, maybe because I feel like I've heard it before, but also it really helps to have somebody like Adam there, 
doing that editing and shaping it. It helps to have somebody like Scott there to keep things on an even keel and to worry about whether we're even tangentially just talking about the same thing for more than five seconds. And, I mean, to just to toot my own horn, to have somebody like me there who's not afraid to pull in something completely, like, inappropriately random that will, you know, screw things up. Or in the case of Adam, to Adam, you know, somebody who's as low-key as Adam to come in and just, like, Adam would just bring the house down with the most, like, understated little thing. Like mentioning that he had a fanny pack when he was a kid, or like, <laughs> why is it so funny to imagine Adam dressed up as a clown dancing on stage or whatever? Like it's just it's just funny. Yeah. So you know it's just it, it's I'm not saying it's hard to do, but you know it's um, you know I think a lot of us would like to think that you know we sit we watch something like um, what's the uh, what's the first big Tarantino movie um, the heist well, movie? Well, that's a lot of dogs. Yeah, we'd like to imagine that when we sit around with our friends at Denny's in our black suits, like we sound like that. And you don't. Yeah. Like you don't actually sound like that. Like <laughs> And you know, so when people say that, I take that as a as a big compliment and uh as far as the fanboy stuff, dude, like I'm the biggest fanboy of that show ever. I I'm so happy to that to have been there for that thing getting made. Um yeah, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun to do it. It's it's, you know, uh, not to be on Merlin Man, but like I, I think sometimes like people, it's it's one thing to be modest and another thing to be a dumbass. So like the thing is that that was actually a really really good show, and I'm proud to have been involved in that show. It would be silly for me to go, oh I don't know, it's really oh thank you for saying that, but blah blah, because it was actually really good. And if you if you're not as excited about what you're doing as I am about what I'm doing, you should do something else. You know, <laughs> I I get to be this way because I actually like what I do. <laughs> That's, you know, it's, if that sounds self-involved, I'm totally okay with that because if I had to spend five years or th- three years or 20 years working on something that I wasn't happy to tell people I love doing, I would know it's time for a change. Yeah, see, and the, the other thing is you, you three had what I call like radio chemistry, which I mentioned to uh, Mike and Matt on Bionic that they had that. And they actually mentioned my name on the Queendom episode, which w- was where you sort of, I think, started listening to Bionic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, 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 like, I don't think people that do podcasts or, or radio in general, but maybe like in podcasts, don't really know how rare that is. To, to have like, pe- like more than one person talking into a mic and, then, the, and have them gel like, and have them sort of, you know, have that vibe of just friends talking. That's, that's, that's impossible to fake, basically. Like every mm-hmm. terrible show I've heard where there's been three people on it, it has like mainly failed on that front. Like just hearing it sort of be fake, if that makes sense. And Matt and Mike are awesome at it. Like they, I don't know, that, that those guys are in love anyway, but like they, they, that makes so much sense in, in the same way that you three sort of made sense, if you know what I mean. Like I think I do. I have, I have a, uh, a very, really informal and incomplete theory about what makes, something like that work. And one part of it is it does help to have chemistry. It, do, it, it helps to have a relationship with the other person where you being yourself and them being themselves in whatever on-air way that is. Like you understand your character on that show. You understand their character on that show. And you, you know how – I mean chemist, chemistry can be something very natural, but it's also that chemistry comes out of having talked to somebody a lot or worked with somebody a lot or having done a lot of improv would be one example. But something where you've gotten good – at being able to maybe not anticipate what that person's going to say, but to be able 
to greatly expand on what they've been talking about without derailing it, for example. But that's one part of it. But there's another part of it that is very difficult to put your finger on, but I know it when I see it. And I would, <laughs> yeah. Well, which is the second part is um, in the case of, let's say, just a podcast to keep it simple or a radio show, it, it needs to uh, be its own little universe. It, it, so the the thing is, like the shows that I really like a lot, um, I mean, I, I don't – I'm not – like perfect at this, but I, compared to a lot of people, I don't use the word podcast very often while I'm recording the podcast because I don't want you to think about the fact that you're listening to a podcast. Yes, I know you know you're listening to a podcast, but if I kept talking about the podcast that we're on or we're being doing the podcast and the podcasting of the podcast, <laughs> if I talked about that all the time, I'm not – unless it fits the, the chemistry and the universe, it's going to be – uh, it's gonna it's gonna take you out of the the illusion that you're in this world. Yeah, it you know, gets to be jotting almost. Like. Well, I mean, and the only two the two examples that I feel like I've had for, good fortune to be involved with that have been successful there are very much. You look nice today. It's a little universe. It, it you know when you go into one of those episodes, you start wandering around and have no idea how you're going to get out of that. Like it's it, you but but you're like not unhappy that you're in it. You're not sitting there going like, has this been 20 minutes? You're just, you don't know how long it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be about, but it's like a little fantastic, like Lord of the Rings kind of world where there are these characters in it and you're watching them do things and moving through it. But you don't, you know, it's, it's one reason like I was never into having ads on that show because it would have destroyed the illusion of that being a universe it sounds really silly, but and I think the other one is Roderick on the Line. Where Roderick on the Line, not quite as much, but still, it's hard to know what any given show is going to be about. <laughs> it's like a little terrarium of a certain kind of activity that you get to peer in on for a certain amount of time. But you know, we're not going to be necessarily like waving back at you that much. Like we're over here doing a performance in this little world. And anyway, it's hard to describe. But so you know, I guess what I'm saying is like to to try and um, generate something. Like that sort of a show, uh, from you know, from what you have sitting around, you could try to manufacture chemistry, which can sometimes work. But it it will oh, rarely it work works. if, if it, you're too well. It'll rarely work if you're too self-aware about the fact you're trying to make that kind of podcast disappear into that show, and don't talk about the fact that of, of what it is. Like let it turn into whatever it's going to turn into, and you'll know if it works or not. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's that's one reason I still those two shows in particular, Roderick on the Line and um, You Look Nice Today, of the things I participated in, still feel very special to me because you can go back to any of those episodes and listen to them again. You can kind of tell when they were recorded. Sometimes, you know, if we mentioned that Blockbuster just went out of business, you can probably guess when we recorded it. <laughs> or if John's talking about, you know. You know, someday Keen, the band Keen, won't be as popular anymore, and you'll go, "Oh, that's back when Keen was popular." But they exist out of time in some ways. They're the, the stories that John tells are are kind of timeless. Yeah. So that's like- anyway, I, the universe theory is just something I as obviously I have not thought about a whole lot, but I can tell when it's working because I don't think, "Oh, here's some guys doing a podcast." Yeah. That- if I can disappear into it, into their little world for a while and not be like torn out of that by realizing that they are constantly announcing they're doing a podcast, that's that's magic to me. Yeah. That's, it's more building like drama. That- it really is more like a little play. Yeah. Building that mythology sort of has to – you just have to let it happen. If you're too aware of it, I think, yeah, it sounds fake almost. I, I don't know. I well, that- yeah, and it becomes like a bad TV show like trying to – 
generate a catchphrase. You can't do that. <laughs> I mean, you can, yeah. you can, but you can, but you know, oh, where's my pants? What happened? I can't do my work. Like you can, you can come up with. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw that movie, A Mighty Wind. Um, I had all oh, Chris, Chris Guest, yes. Okay. I, I, Chris forget, yeah, but also God, uh, Fred Willard in that. <laughs> play, playing the guy who had been the child actor. Like, what, ha- what, what, what is it? What, what happened? Is, is that? Yeah, I think that, it is. I think it's what ha- yeah, I think it's what happened. I, I can't do my work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I, I, I actually wanted to ask you about the TV you watched like in your life and actually liked because you, yeah. I don't know. I think there's a mentioning Chris Guest with Spinal Tap and stuff. Uh, but I sort of feel like you're you're the the type of guy that liked Mash and maybe you know like more recently The Office, the English version and stuff like that. Can you like name three shows that you actually liked like a lot in your life? And you can pick any three, but like three. I know that's a stupid question, but that's something I really want to know about you because I've never heard you like talk about three- it. Like, Three shows I watched as a kid that tell you a lot about who I am, or no, just no, in just general? like throughout your life, you had to like oh, yeah. pick three mm-hmm. of them. You know? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did watch Mash. I mean, I guess Monty Python, like everybody. Uh, um, you know, uh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, like the things. I guess I'm going to answer it in the way that I suggested. Oh, when I was a kid, right? Yes, okay. Mash. Absolutely, I watched Mash. Mary Tyler Moore, all those kinds of like CBS shows from when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> I I I I don't know. I I always liked uh, comedy until I got to be a dumb teenager. I always liked more grown up kind of comedy. You know, I I mean, I I would watch Bob Newhart when I was eight and thought it was funny, even though I probably didn't actually understand what was happening a lot of the time. I really liked that stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah, I really enjoyed Spinal Tap. I love that movie. Um, well, it's the movie. I mean. That's that's another one good. of those things that shouldn't have happened, but but happened somehow. Yeah, it's and, pretty amazing that that turned out as well as it did. Well, yeah, but, and when you hear they threw away like I don't I don't know they shot like three hours of it, right? And it's yeah. like a, an hour and ten or whatever it is. That sounds even like I don't know how they did that. You see, I get angry at that too. <laughs> I can't believe that they came up with something like a story out of all of that improvising, not even knowing which parts they were going to be throwing out. Yeah, it's pretty I, amazing that they were able to come up with something that actually did have kind of a story to it. Yeah, I heard Chris Guest like in an interview talk about that that he just shoots stuff and then he can make seven movies and he picks the best one, like hmm. something along those lines. Like you know, he can make like seven different stories basically with the stuff they get from the shoots, and then right. he just sort of picks the one that he likes the most, I guess, which is a crazy way to work, really. But yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's definitely some common themes. That, you know, he sometimes does better or more humanely than other times. But, you know, it's always sort of like unself-aware rubes trying to be better than they are. That I think he, he can be kind of mean about that stuff sometimes. But but like something like um, Waiting for Guffman. I mean, I think Waiting for Guffman is, is uh, just a, a tremendous movie. I think that it's got so much uh, humanity to it in a way that maybe, you know – but I don't know. I like Best in Show too. I I, I like that. I, I like all yeah, those but, movies. But I know, know what you mean because Gaffman has. It's more of a movie than a Chris Guest movie. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, it's more. Yeah, it's yeah. I I see. I I think I get what you mean. Yeah, because that sort of makes. Uh, oh, and the 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 other pop culture thing I wanted to ask because I don't know in a recent episode of uh, Back to Work, I think you guys talked about the Idiocracy. Yeah. Which is how come nobody's seen that movie? 
because I always the studio felt... has done less than nothing to promote it, and they don't. Oh, okay. for a long time they didn't want people to see it. It only it only screened just a very few times ever. Because I I always had this feeling that everybody saw it because over here everybody pretty much torrented it, and like at least in my group of friends, like everybody's seen that movie. And like when you talked about it, it was like this undiscovered gem that like was hidden away for twenty years or something. And I did well, not a lot, understand a lot, that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people uh, haven't seen. It. I mean, obviously, people who like Mike Judge stuff have sought it out. But it's, you know, I don't think the studios, I don't think Fox has gone out of their way to make it easy to find. Well, yeah, I can, I, I can, I can maybe see that, but it's, it's a good movie. So, well, no, you go, yeah. just read the Wikipedia entry. You'll get all of this. I mean, they they did not like all of the anti corporate stuff. You know, they just thought it was pretty insulting uh, to. You know, middle um, middle class America. I guess I don't know. I thought it was great. I loved it. I mean, it's silly at parts, but I thought it was. It's just one laugh after another. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. And I get to be, you know, a foreigner laughing in America. I think that that adds something to that movie. Mm-hmm. For like, if you're not American, I think it's even funnier because you know. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, and then there's another thing I wanted to ask you um, from you know the back to work uh, stuff, uh, Florida, right? Yeah. So. Like how uh, – I'm, I'm just going to ask, how bad is it actually? Like, it's not is as it, bad. It's not it's as not, bad, it's not as as bad right? I mean that can't all be just – you know. Dan, but, Dan I, I can't tell sometimes when Dan's joking. Um, <laughs> I mean it's – I think most people, I have to guess, are have a real mixed relationship to wherever they spent their formative years. And you know, <clears throat> at the time I lived there – you know, very, very few people in Florida were born in Florida. I think that's still very much true today. But it was a it was a retirement community that I lived in, and it was just a really terrible place to be a teenager. Yeah. Uh, and I was a very unhappy, not very financially secure kid. It was it was terrible. And you know, and there's a lot about Florida that's a microcosm for what happens in America. It's a place where there's not a lot of there's a lot of service in- industry jobs when there are jobs, and it's a, there's a lack of growth and there's a not much you know money being put into schools and uh it's there's just it's it's a really frustrating place to live but you know i mean there's great people everywhere um i mean i think we we sometimes exaggerate it for comic effect but i don't hate florida at all and i i would not want anybody who I'm pals with in florida to think i hate the state but there's a lot about it that's irrefutably weird and um dumb there's a lot – I think I, I, I'm sorry to say that there are some things there that I have never seen anywhere else in the world that are, are a little bit idiocracy-like. By no means does that mean that the millions of people in, that live in Florida are all dumb. But, you know, it's uh, – I don't know. It's, it's – um, Yeah, it's just it weird to, looking from it from, like, from the outside because I've never been there. Like the only place I've been is like in New York, which is not really America, I guess, you know? Nope. It's I much know. more like Europe. Yeah, it's, that's what I usually say. It's Europe with Americans in it. But like, <laughs> when I listen to those Florida episodes, I was like, I, I, I mean, that's, I, you can imagine how that sounds to somebody that's not from the States, right? I mean, that just sounds like that's the worst place on earth, basically. And, like, <laughs> and it's funny. But then I, I well, think about think about somebody from Kazakhstan who <laughs> sees Borat, and you, on the one hand, think about that. I mean, on the one hand, they're going to go, "Wow, yeah, you know, what a jerk! Yeah. Like, I, what a horrible way to like exaggerate the problems of this impoverished place." But on the other hand, he went, "Wow, he really nailed that." You know, there's <laughs> yeah. probably parts where he went, "Like, yeah, it's pretty weird." Like, and that's how that's kind of I think how it is with Florida. I think you know, it's. 
I don't know. I, I'm not sure what to say about it. I mean, you could see it for yourself. I, I, I would I would never want to try to make somebody I don't, especially somebody I don't know, make them feel bad about themselves just because of where they live. It's it's uh, it's it's hard. The injuries that you feel that you incurred when you were a teenager or a child uh, are very difficult to get over. Very even if you heal from those little wounds, um, there's still some part of you I think that's always feeling wounded about that. So, you know, I think there's a reason a lot of people become like decide to become millionaires and buy 50 Rolexes in life, you know, or a plane. They're doing that because they're still fighting something that happened to them when they were eight years old, probably. Somebody pushed them into a locker because they had dirty clothes and now they're going to have more Rolexes than anybody. I think that's a little bit Freudian, but I think it's kind of true. I think that's how stuff works. So on the one hand, I would not begin to apologize for all the for being miffed about the like deliberately stupid indignities that I had to suffer living in Florida. Um, but on the other hand, I would not want to just castigate the whole state. It's, it's not anywhere I would want to live again. It's, but it's got a lot of wonderful people and wonderful stuff. And, you know, fortunately in America, there's dumbasses everywhere. So really anywhere you go, you're, there's plenty, there's plenty of, <laughs> you're talking to one of them right now. I mean, uh, that was a quote for the tourist board. That was <laughs> America. There's dumbasses <laughs> everywhere. Okay. Uh, Extra big ass fries. <laughs> oh, oh well. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, and then uh, another thing I wanted to. I sort of like when I try to explain like you to people. Like I, I, I try to explain like what. You <laughs> Why and, would you do that? Why <laughs> no. would you try to explain me to someone? No, because I, I, I usually tell people like because uh, I do podcasts now and like people know me for that and they say like well they give me a couple of podcasts I should listen to right and I give them like Radio Lab and um, I, I sort of I weirdly I never mention uh, you look nice today I keep that one to myself which is wrong but that's that's like my selfish little. But it's going to get out after this episode anyway. So, But then, then I always uh, mention back to work. And like hmm. people are usually like intrigued. Well, what's that about? And I, I, I sort of want to explain to them how, you know, the getting things done stuff, what that is. And then I say there's a bunch of stuff about com- comic books that nobody understands over here, probably like, uh, uh, except for three people. That but sounds like, like a fantastic recommendation. Yeah, no, no. But the, the thing is, like, <laughs> the, the getting things done, like, I love that stuff, like, the, that whole productivity angle you do, but you actually do it in a non-douchey way. And, like, I Thanks. think... No, but that, that's I'm being serious because I am too. I, I appreciate you saying that. That if I if I felt like I was doing it in a douchey way, I would kill myself. <laughs> no, but like you're the only one. Do you know what I mean? Like if I if I try to explain to somebody that doesn't know who you are and what you do, and I say, well, he sort of does, you know, well, like advice for you know in, for the workplace or like just getting stuff done in life, and and like they just think of all of those crappy like life coach slash motivational speaker like that's the image this explain me explaining it usually con- conjures up right and yeah. I, I i don't know how to combat that so help me with that like like just how would you describe what you do there in a normal way <laughs> uh, I, I i don't yeah, I, know, I, I can't. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's not that complicated to anybody who listens to it. You go, that's Merlin talking about life stuff. Uh, but I, I would. I mean, I don't recommend our show to anybody. It's it's people find it and they like it, and that's great. But it's 
you know, it's again, I, I don't want to make something that's easy to explain. It, it, <laughs> if it was too easy to explain, I, I, I would know that I'm doing the wrong thing. Well, I'll say for myself what I like about that show or what I like about doing that show. Uh, a couple things. Um, first of all, in a completely selfish way, it helps me to talk about stuff that I'm that I struggle with. It helps me to talk about things that uh, – let me put it this way. There are some things in life where – we would like to believe – I know this is true for liberals in America. Like we would like to believe that if everybody had enough information, everybody would make great decisions all the time. Well, history has shown us that that is not true. Like all of the information that's been available throughout history has always been available in the United States to everybody. But everybody's still not all that smart and making great decisions. Information is not the problem. The problem in some ways is you know, even with – look at how many people out there like who want to be productive, do nothing but inhale productivity information all day long and never get better at it. Because information in that instance is not the problem. It's making some kind of a leap from changing how you think and feel. Uh, not just merely changing. You have to change how you think and how you feel. And you have to th- change like how you make decisions and do things. And those are completely unrelated things. There are a lot of people who sit around like feeling bad about their health and they 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 feel bad, and then they eat a bag of potato chips, and they feel worse. And making them worse, making them feel worse, does that make them want to get in shape? No, it makes them eat another bag of potato chips because that's how our brains work. I'm not I'm not being disparaging. I'm just saying yeah. that's how it works, and that's what's different, and that's what's hard to understand. So for me, I'm smart enough to know what I should do a whole bunch of the time. I'm even smart enough to know, like in the best of ideal circumstances, what I would be doing, but I don't do it because I'm like everybody else. I'm I'm a fucked up mess, just like everybody. And it helps me a lot to be able to try and address, first of all, that this exists. That The most important thing I'll have to say ever is that be aware that there's this thing there that seems like such an obvious non-problem that you need to really be aware that it is a really non-obvious huge problem, which is that the way the way that we think does not and the way that we feel – does not always comport with how we'd like to behave, how we'd like to be, what we want our future to be. And yeah, I don't think you have to go study psychology, you know, get a PhD in psychology to understand this. You look at it all the time. I know what I should be doing, but I'm not always doing it. Why is that such a difficult thing? And I think that is really kind of almost never ending in its interestingness to me. Like I I know, I, I feel like I am kind of a I don't know if I'm smart. I feel like I'm clever sometimes. So if I if I am that clever, like why can't I make that leap on a more consistent basis? Well, isn't it a funny thing? There's lots of people who have that exact same problem. So part one, it helps me to talk about that. And I have discovered it took a while. But in one way, to go back to the very beginning, why do I like podcasts more than writing? Speaking about this, I'm very comfortable speaking about this, you know, up to a certain point where mm-hmm. it gets maybe too personal or something or – but, you know, up to a certain point, I'm very comfortable talking about this because this is how I figure it out, right? So even right now, I'm sitting here figuring this out as the words are coming out of my mouth. I, that's hard to do when you're writing and, and uh, that's conducive to here. But here's the second part and you go, this is back to your, the douchey problem Yeah, um, is that uh, I realized this early-ish uh, – in my career, uh, trying to be helpful with people, is that in order to be a self-help person, um, you only have a job if people stay broken. You only have a job for as long as people need that help. And so it's is. I mean, doesn't it? Does it seem weird to anybody that's that all of these people who have the answer to happiness and health and success in life have ten books? Think about that. Yeah. Like, how is it the one book didn't work? 
the one book should have taken care of that. The, the one book should be take care of the problem. Don't buy any more books because now you're you're fixed. So when when the part that I hope is interesting and keeps interesting to people is that like I, I want you to not need this advice, but I want you to enjoy hearing it. And I want you to be able to do the stuff that you want to do and still be able to like get a trickle of this and enjoy. I want you to listen to the show because it's fun. But I, I like the idea that me talking about stuff that's hard for me to do can be helpful for you too. And every day my inbox is filled with people who tell me that. And that is why we keep doing the show. That and we get paid to do it. But you know, we doing the show, we, we do it because like all this dumb stuff coming out of my head is the same dumb stuff that just hasn't yet come out of somebody else's head, but it's there. And when they hear somebody else say it, and maybe in a way that's funny sometimes or is difficult to reject because it's so obvious, maybe for that week or maybe for three days, they'll be better at that thing because they didn't let their smartness overtake the thing that they'd like to be doing differently. So that's 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 why I think that show is different. Now, how do I describe it to somebody in a sentence? I don't. <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, 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 like, I want more people to hear it. So, you know, that's why I figured I'd just ask you. It's so to... annoying. Yeah. It's such an annoying show. Yeah. I don't think it's what, to, I don't think it's what people tune in for. <laughs> well, yeah, but the, the douchiness angle is sort of, you know, that's the biggest hurdle, I think, when people hear just the word productivity or, you know, Betterment like, you wouldn't like if you were a big lard ass. You wouldn't go to the gym and say, "Hey, look, I'm a big lard ass. I need to uh, hire somebody uh, to make me less of a lard ass." And then you you hire this guy who like is in a scooter because he's so heavy. <laughs> like you, you know, or you know, you think you can you know tell that story any way that makes sense to you. You want to quit smoking, and so you go to a guy who's in an iron lung. Like that's that doesn't make sense on the face of it. Um, but, you know, there are certain times where it helps to know that the person who's working with you has had the same struggles that you have. And for myself, like when I meet somebody who acts like everything's fine all the time and is smiling broadly and shoving a book into my hand, like I'm, I'm very likely to just – excuse me, to just reject that because that just that, – you're right. D- douchey is one word for it. It's just – it's – um. there's no room for the human soul in, in that kind of help. To be, to be somebody who's just, you know – whose whole success in life depends on you seeing them as being flawless. Like, I have no interest in that for very practical reasons. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was, okay. The, the, the no, no room for the soul is a yeah, great way to put it. Yeah, so. You see, that, that's, a, that's a Merlin quote, basically. <laughs> okay, b- before we move to your, the, the last part of the show where I ask you about your hardware and your software, which you, bear with me. But uh, just one more thing. When you... Uh, like do the public talks and even the podcast when, when you are talking to an audience, have you ever had a problem with that at the beginning? Like, were you one of those people that were just terrified because people were listening or, or were you like one of us and just did not care enough to worry about that? I wouldn't say I didn't care, but, uh, it's of all the many things that I'm racked with anxiety about, public speaking is not really one of them. I, I hope that I do well, and sometimes I get frustrated that I'm not clearer about what I wanted to say. And sometimes if I'm if I'm not doing talks as often as at other times, like if I'm doing talks a lot, I get good at it, like anybody, right? I mean, mm-hmm. whether that's driving to work or you know, uh, getting good at flipping cable channels. Like I, <laughs> if I speak enough, I stay good at it. But I think I get rusty, and then I get frustrated. And it makes me want to re re overhaul everything I do. But now, one way in which I am really pretty different from other people is I'm not really afraid of. I I enjoy it. 
Yeah. As somebody somebody who may or may not have ADD, like the idea of someone coming to me and throwing me a challenge on the spot is incredibly enticing to me. Like so far, have I backed down from any weird thing you've asked me? <laughs> I love it. It gives me clarity. Like, ah, throw anything at me. I don't care. You, what do you want me to speak about? Sure. Yeah, sure. I'll talk about that. How long do you want me to go? <laughs> I, I enjoy that. I don't. I don't feel. Uh, of all the many ways in which my ego and sense of self is incredibly threatened by the world, that's that's actually not one of them, which is, I think, unusual. Most people are extremely uh, worried about public speaking. They say it's – in America anyway, they say it's the only fear greater than death in terms of number of people having it as their number one fear. Okay. Nope. Nope. I'm fine. I don't want – you know, I hope my slides are good, but no, I'm not worried. <laughs> all right. So that, now we will move to your hardware and software. So, oh, my uh, hardware, my software. Yeah. My hardware is so hard and my software is supple. <laughs> I know you hate talking about this stuff. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Are you kidding me? You should see what I have done with my uh, yeah. computer. Okay, but you were on MagMic Weekly for a long time. so you, you Am have, I now? Well, then no, but you have to bear with me at least. Okay, so I'll just ask. Computer No, I am phone. kidding. Ask, listen, ask anything you'd like. I will, I will, I'm happy to answer any way that I can. Okay, so computer and phone, that's it. That's all I want to know. Uh, okay, so here's what I got. Uh, I have a, um, a 2006 Mac Pro that is really old and will not run a modern operating system, so I need to replace that. The computer that I'm speaking to you on right now is a 2010 MacBook Air that I love, 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 and still feels really fast. Uh, the battery's starting to go a little bit, but it's still the fastest computer I've ever owned. I love it. I have a uh, an iPhone 5s when it's up and not crashing, uh, which I think it's about an hour a day. I get about an hour a day between crashes, uh, and I've got uh, my other go-to is um, a first-generation iPad Mini uh, that I love. And then we, we've got tons of other iOS devices and Macs around the house, Apple TV and stuff like that. But most of what I do when I'm this oddly enough when I'm not recording a podcast, I'm usually on my Mac Pro at work which I think I'm going to have to replace with an iMac pretty soon. And, uh, and then when I'm pot- doing podcasting or doing stuff at home, I'm using, using this, uh, this MacBook Air. And then I spend a lot of the day, honestly, on I, – I love my uh, iPad mini and I want to love my iPhone 5S. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I, I love it every time you say that about the iPhone because I'm an Android guy. Like at heart and I was in a bar. I was in a bar. We had a comic meetup. A bunch of a bunch of people who you know are you know fans and friends came and showed up last Thursday night. We were in a bar, and and I was making a joke about my phone and how it's always crashing. And they're like, "Oh my god, me too!" And I, I, just kind of as a joke, I, I opened it up. I flipped. I did a f- quick flick through the the um, you know the little app changer. Yeah. And I looked. At, I was looking down for a second. I looked up at everybody in the room. I held up my phone and showed them the white apple <laughs> as my phone restarted. Just like I've said, everybody's there. People are incredulous. All my friends are like, no way. No way does it crash that much. I'm like, no, seriously. It really, really, really crashes that much. It's not jailbroken. It's not anything. It's just broken. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So in terms of software, yes. uh, I guess, uh, I guess I, I'm like, I'm interested in the more of the, uh, the iPad specific apps. Uh, if you get the the ones you actually use and that iPad specific, like I won't uh, bore you with the iPhone stuff, but like if no, it's it, fine. I'm I'm happy to talk about any of those. Uh, uh, let's see, ones I use a lot. Tweetbot, okay, stuff on the home screen, which actually does kind of reflect stuff I use on my iPad. Is that most yeah. of what you're interested in? Um, yeah. Uh, let's see, I use Reader. 
for uh, RSS stuff, editorial for text files, uh, Tweetbot, 1Password, OmniFocus, uh, Instacast. Um, I like Calendars 5 and Fantastical, both for calendar stuff. I use those a lot. Um, what else do I use? Tumblita for looking at Tumblr, uh, Instapaper. Pretty pretty uh, straight up comicsology, mostly you know obviously for yeah. reading comics, um, and then I've got lots of other apps that you know I use less. But those are those are some of the biggies. Right. See that, that. What do you think? Any opinions on those? You got thoughts? Uh, no, that, that that's pretty much what I expected. I guess I think I figured you were going to mention comicsology sooner. To be honest, but you know. well, I mean it's you know it's a platform. It's um, you can only read comicsology comics you know, in the app or on the website. So that's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not even just having a preference. Also, I mean, and this is not a slam. Comixology also does white label versions of their app for everybody, like Marvel, uh, DC, yeah. uh, Image. Pretty much everybody gets their DRM comics uh, software made by Comixology. So it's, you know, you'll see it. You go, hmm, that DC app looks a lot, DC Comics app looks a lot like Comixology. Well, it is, with you know, with a different skin on it. Mm. But for um, for reading like CBRs and CBZs, I like uh, if you know comic stuff at all. Yeah. If you don't, don't worry, don't worry. But uh, <laughs> I like Chunky Comic Reader, and I like um, um, Comic Comic Zeal. I think it's called. Oh, okay, cool. See, I actually want to know that because I'm I'm not uh, I'm not that into American comics. But a show I do in Slovene, we did a whole like co- comic uh, strip episode, and we did a bunch of like uh, European stuff and some American, old, like old school stuff from the sixties. And I've been mm-hmm. like reading those now, so I, I need. I would try chunky, yeah. I, if you're on at least on iOS, it sounds like you're on um, Android, but yeah, most of the time. But yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Merlin. Then my last question, and then I'll let yes. you go. Uh, if you had to pick one physical object, like from your past, or you still might own it, that made an impact on your life, what would that be? Oh, God. I know, man. I know. Uh, just bear with no, me. No, no. It's a great question. It's just hard. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. I know. Yeah. That... physical object. Probably the black and white TV my family <laughs> had when I was a child. Fair enough. Because I watched it so much. <laughs> I mean, whether I'm happy about that or proud of that, I won't say. But, um, but like, that was my best friend as a kid. I watched so much TV when I was a little kid. I still have, like, a, a weirdly, even with my, my fading memory in my convalescing years, I still have such an encyclopedic knowledge of so many things about TV. It's, it's uncanny, you know, I'm like a, a, a latchkey yeah. kid. I don't know if you have that term there, latchkey kid, like somebody who's alone at home after school, uh, like take a latchkey kid. who's kind of smart, but like likes reading almanacs and encyclopedias combined <laughs> with a TV. Like, Oh my God. So I, I, I still, <laughs> I still know a lot of things that happened on TV 40 years ago. <laughs> um, Marlon, that's, Pretty much it, man. That's that's all I Thanks have. Thanks for having me on. It's a lot of fun. I still don't know why you guys say yes to when I ask, but thank you. Like from the bottom of my heart because I'm just some dude in Slovenia. That's why I tell everybody. <laughs> I'm just some dude in America, man. It's nice ah, It's nice to talk well, to you and you're you know. nice to ask. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. It's very nice of you to ask. It was my honor to uh, to be on. You had some good questions. Um, and you like you look nice today, so nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, That was... I I didn't I I I sort of I had it written down as a, like I I have a couple of topics with H like I I actually do prepare for these interviews. Mm-hmm. It might not seem like it, but like I had it written down and like. 
two minutes before uh, you you uh, I am me, I was like, I'm just not gonna ask that because I'm just gonna be that guy that's sort of gonna you know fawn over the show. But th- I love that show so much. So I, just, I, I I can't imagine somebody not wanting to talk about something they love making. You know, I guess I guess if you're Mick Jagger and you're sick of singing Satisfaction, like that's understandable. But you know, yeah. uh, I'm I'm happy that you asked, and and I, I'm grateful that you liked it. It's nice of you to nice of you to say that. Yeah, I, I, hopefully, like the people that listen to my shows will uh, hear it. Like, will listen to it. You look nice today. That was that was <laughs> jump so... right in and be completely baffled <laughs> by it. <laughs> yeah, well, that that that's how I was. I mean, that, I just started listening, and I was like, I was hooked from the right, <laughs> right from the beginning. But yeah, I mean that. Yeah, it was awesome. And but now I know. You're just some guy in America, but like you don't. I don't think you know. Like even Mike was the first uh, person, like foreign guy, that actually said yes to one of these. And like I don't know why he did that, but he said. And then like which you, uh, which Mike? Uh, Harley, sorry. Harley. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, and like it's just snowballed from there. Like if he hadn't said yes, and then you know uh, Casey Liss was my last guest. Oh no, or John Maltz and stuff. Who's like, uh, who's Casey Liss? I, I don't know, man. I just think he hmm. likes white cars, which is strange. After. I'll have to Google him. That's yeah, weird. I, th- I think so. I'm kidding, Casey. <laughs> no, I ju- I keep uh, I keep talking. He's someone whom I he's someone whom I enjoy on the. Uh... <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, whom whom he's someone whom I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I keep taunting him that I'm gonna play him one on one in basketball at some point because I thought he was taller than he is because I'm six foot seven. Ah, and, that's yeah. too tall. Well, no, it's it's uh, just the, uh, the the right amount of tall, I think. But like for a studio apartment, my goodness, that's a lot of tall. Oh my! You should you should have seen my childhood room. It was like two meters by three and a half. So this Ooh. is like this is a palace now, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Casey Lee some basketball. That that's what I keep telling him on Twitter, and he doesn't believe me, but. I'd watch that. Oh, I'll just show up in Richmond like one day with a basketball. That won't be creepy. That won't be creepy. You should just show up. Just show up at work. Casey, come out. I challenge you. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll even I'll crank up the Eastern European accent even some more. Like, just, <laughs> and sound really menacing. Get your skinny butt on the court. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, uh, Martin, I'll, I'll let you go because I know you have to leave. But uh, well, thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure.